but First Chronicles chapter number 4, look at verse number 9. The Bible says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, that thine hand might be with me, and thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Let's pray tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the wonderful time we've had in your house already tonight. Lord, thank you for the song service. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful missionary family stopping by, Lord. And we ask you, God, that you'd bless them, keep them safe while they're on the roads traveling, raising support to get over to Australia. And we just ask you tonight, God, that you go before them. Lord, prepare the path for them, Lord, and just guide them and direct them. And God, use them in a mighty way. God, do a great work in in their family's life, Lord, as a family together. But God, in their ministry as well, God, use them for the glory of God. We ask you, Lord, tonight that you would just help us as we get into the word of God tonight, preach the word of God, teach it. God, help us open up our ears and our hearts on purpose. God, knowing, God, that throughout the day, God, throughout the week, God, you've prepared us, uh, Lord, a place to come, God, to hear the word of God preached. Lord, what a blessing that is. God, what a blessing it is to do it freely. God, what a blessing it is, Lord, to just freely come together without fear, God, of the government storming in and taking over. God, we can come and just worship you, praise your name, and openly preach the word of God. We thank you for that so much tonight. Lord, I ask you to hide me behind the cross of Calvary. God, would you get me out of myself? Lord, and fill me with your spirit. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. If I were to ask you tonight some of the most well-known prayers in your Bible, we've been studying this thought of prayer on Wednesday nights. We took that break during summer of scriptures as we studied life of Joseph. We kind of got back on this, this idea and this thought of prayer. And I were to ask you the well-known prayers of our Bible, there would be some that we'd probably give quickly, the model prayer that Jesus gives us in the New Testament, no doubt throughout the Gospels that we oftentimes hear called the Lord's Prayer, but in reality, it's the model prayer. Or Jesus praying at Gethsemane when his sweat become like great drops of blood. We think about that prayer that he gave and that he offered to the Father there. We think about Peter's great prayer as he was drowned. How many are glad that you don't have to be professional when you pray? You don't have to have all your words down. You don't have to say all that wonderful stuff and all those great titles. No doubt God is all those things, but could you imagine if Peter, as he's drowning, began his prayer along those ways, those most holy, wonderful creator that has created everything, I'm so glad it would have ended right there. He would have went to the bottom. How many are glad that God can hear a Lord save me? It's simple, it's clear, but yet the Lord understands it. We think about Elijah's prayer at Mount Carmel as he is there at that showdown with the prophets of Baal and he prays just a few words and God answers by fire, shows himself faithful to the nation of Israel. But if I were to ask you the well-known prayers of your Bible that were prayed in the word of God, most of us would not go to 1 Chronicles chapter number four. Most of us would not think about or know about or, or quickly off the, off the cuff go to this prayer offered by Jabez. I was telling my wife what I was preaching on tonight. She misunderstood me. She thought I was preaching on the prayer of Jezebel. I said, I don't think she had a prayer. <laughs> but tonight here, we're looking at the prayer of Jabez. Now, in the early 2000s, there was a book written. This is how I've always, I don't want to say I always know, but from a young age, I, I knew that there was somebody named Jabez, and I knew that there was something he prayed. Because there was a book written in the early 2000s. Now, I've never read it. I, I, I don't know who wrote it. I don't know what it's about. So I'm not going to endorse it and say go read it because it's really good. I don't know. But I, I do know being a young teenager, seeing this book, 
I think it took the nation by storm. Everybody was talking about the prayer of Jabez. The prayer of Jabez. Now, growing up Catholic, we didn't know nothing about the prayer of Jabez. We didn't know what the Bible said because the priest told us not to read it. But we know here tonight, and we see here tonight, that there is this book written. But in reality, there's a wonderful prayer offered by Jabez unto the Lord. Now, it's interesting because it's, it's a prayer that God answers. It's a prayer that God puts his stamp of approval on. It's a prayer that God grants to Jabez. It's not a long prayer. Matter of fact, we don't know much about Jabez. We don't really know a lot about his story. We don't know necessarily all that is entailed in his life. We know a few things about him. We see here what's interesting here because it's in a portion of the Bible because of the difficulty of the names and the pronunciations. and re It doesn't just flow off our tongue. We're quick to kind of skim through these chapters of our Bible. We just want to get through the genealogies. We want to get through the name. We want to get to the interesting stuff. We want to get to the, the, all that, 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 that interesting history that we find in the Old Testament. If we're not careful, we'll skip over Jabez's prayer because of where it's tucked in. We see that it's tucked in here in this placement in a bunch of genealogies. God puts a wonderful prayer from a man that is, is offered unto him. We see it's placement in scripture. We see the people around Jabez. There's a lot of information here. You can go back and you can study the, the history and the genealogy, the sons of Judah, as the chapter starts out in chapter number four. You can learn all this wonderful stuff, no doubt, that is here. And it's interesting stuff. It's historical stuff. It's a bunch of genealogies, but most people skip through it. And, and so they skip through this wonderful prayer offered by Jabez. Now we see the people that are around Jabez. We see the personality of Jabez. Even his own mother tonight, after he was born, looks at, his, at her child and says, sorrow. You remind me of sorrow. Could you imagine <laughs> you're sitting around with your children? They say, how did you come up with my name? Well, when we looked at you, we thought sorrow. In essence, Jabez, and no doubt, I don't think she looked at him and thought because of his appearance and because of maybe the color of his eyes or the color of his hair that she thought sorrow but maybe she thought because of what he was being born into, because you realize there's name after name after name after name, person after person after person mentioned here in First Chronicles chapter number four, and there's no mention of what they do for God. There's no great testimony in his predecessors. There's not really much after him as well. Maybe she looked at him and she said, I'm sorry for the, the environment and, I, and, and, and the, 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 the surroundings that I have birthed you into. I can't offer you anything great. I can't offer you anything. Uh, you're just going to be like the rest of your, your ancestors and your genealogy here. But we see here tonight the personality of Jabez. The Bible says in verse number nine, Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. In essence, there was something different about Jabez. He was in an elevated position. He was a person of honesty, integrity, and character. He's, he's more honorable than all of his brethren. Well, what did he do, preacher? What, what were his actions that made him so honorable? The, the word of God doesn't tell us. It doesn't give us an a in-depth history of this man by the name of Jabez. But here's what we do know. Here's what we can take from Jabez's life. Here is one of the, the, the key elements in him becoming an honorable man. It was that he was a man who was willing to call out to God. He was a man that was willing to pray unto God. He was a man that was willing to go to God for things that he knew that he needed in his life. Jabez called upon the God of Israel is what it tells us in verse number 10. He was a man that was willing to pray. I want to preach on this thought for just a few minutes tonight, on this thought of, of a prayer that God answers. 
a prayer that God answers. There's three things tonight that Jabez prayed for and asked the Lord to give to him that would be good for us to do as well tonight. How many are glad tonight that God is no respecter of persons? That God is, doesn't hold Jabez up here and us down here and say, oh, this was just for Jabez. This isn't for everybody else. I firmly believe tonight if Jabez could ask for it and God could answer it and God could give it to him, then no doubt tonight we can ask for the same thing for those same necessities in our life and God would be willing to give us those things as well. I believe every Christian should incorporate the truths found in the prayer of Jabez because of the results uh, it produced in Jabez's life Notice number one, he prayed for a recognized blessing. He, prays, he prayed for a recognized blessing. Look at verse number 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that thou would bless me. Now that's where the charismatic, that's where the health and wealth prosperity preaching stops. Oh, that thou would bless me. Matter of fact, I, as I was studying that book, when I read the, I don't remember what, what version it was taken out of, but it does not include the word indeed. It just says, oh, that thou would bless me. But the word of God says, oh, that thou would bless me indeed. And, and, and here's what I found out. That word indeed makes a big difference. That word indeed brings it into the proper perspective of that which you and I should ask for. He prayed for a recognized blessing. Now, how many of us know that God gives us blessings? I, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure tonight I know who I'm standing in front of. I know who my pastor tonight. And we would all agree that in one form or fashion, God has blessed us. God has given us way more than we deserve. It starts with eternal life in the gift of salvation. And there's the spiritual blessings that God has given us, things like discernment and joy and, ha and happiness and genuine contentment and I. But there's also the physical blessings that God has given us. Some are living in houses that God has given us. Some are driving cars that God has given us. Some are working jobs that we don't deserve to work and, and have an income that we don't deserve. It's simply because God has blessed us. Let me ask you this night. You ever ask anybody, you ever ask God to bless somebody else? God, would you bless them? How many of you want the Lord to bless the Cook family while they're in Australia? I do tonight, and no doubt we all do tonight, right? We've asked God to bless somebody else. How many of us ask God to bless something we have, right? How many have offered that great Baptist prayer of faith? We sit down at the fifth Sunday dinner table, and there's a plate full of food, full of cholesterol, calories, carbs, None of it good for us. And we offer that great prayer of faith. Lord, would you bless it to the nourishment of our bodies? But we've all asked God to bless things that we have. But how many of, asked, of us have asked God to bless us indeed? How many of us have said, Lord, when you bless me, bless me indeed? Well, preacher, what in the world does the word indeed Mean It's more than just asking God to bless us because to be honest tonight, we already know that God blesses us. If we're saved by the grace of God, we know what blessing really is. We've experienced the greatest blessing of man and that is salvation. And we, even when we ask for the things that we need, we already know that God has promised to provide every need for us. Matter of fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, but not, be, not ye therefore like unto them, speaking of the Gentiles, for your father knoweth what things you need of before you ask him. You say, well, preacher, there's been a great need that has come into my life and I've begun asking. Can I say long before the bill ever came in, long before the news ever came in, long before the problem ever rose up in your life, God already knew what you needed. 
And so we know tonight that God blesses us with the things that we need. And I'm glad for the things that he's given me and given us tonight that I haven't even asked for. Let me ask you tonight, how many, how many, how many heartbeats did you ask for today? How many breaths did you ask for today? Boy, how, much, how different our life would be if we only got what we asked for. But we see here tonight when Jabez says, Lord, bless me indeed. He's not just asking the Lord to bless him. He knows that God is willing to do that. But when he says indeed, what he's asking the Lord is that when you bless me, Lord, reveal more than just the blessing to me. Lord, reveal how, it, how you did it, how you made it possible in my life, how you brought it in to where I was. In essence, he's saying, Lord, show me not just what it is, but show me how you brought it to me. Show me how you dropped it off at my doorstep that it might be a blessing to me. Jabez wasn't content with this mentality. He said, bless me indeed. Give me the understanding. Bless me in such a way that it moves me to glorify God. There's some stories in my life that I can step back and it's amazing when I step back and, and think about how God was orchestrating things and working things out long before I ever thought I was gonna need them. There's, oh, I've, I've shared the story here tonight and I, I've shared, I don't know how many times, but I cannot get over the fact of how what God cares for in our life. He doesn't just care about the big things. He provides the things that nobody else even knows about or nobody else even thinks are big, but to me, they are huge. Because it reminds me that God just doesn't give me things, but he's working things out in a grander scale more than I can comprehend tonight. We got those, uh, we, 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 we fixed up that trailer that we're living in now. And y'all know the story. I was sitting at work one day and there's a man, my, my foreman was carrying a box through the shop and he said, and I, I just joked with him and said, hey, what's in the box? And he said, they're handles for the, the cabinets, what they call poles, they're, they're in the box. He said, I said, what do you got a box full of those for? He said, well, there was a lady we were doing a job for. She's got more money than she's got since. And she said that, that she didn't like her handles. And so she wanted to get rid of these and get a different finish of her handles. I said, well, what are you going to do with those? He said, I'm looking for somebody to give them to. And I thought to myself, Lord, you know what we need. I don't know if you've priced out handles for cabinets. They don't come cheap. Right, they're awfully proud of them. But he said, here, it's yours. And so we got that wonderful little single wide trailer that from the outside doesn't look like much, but if you come on on the inside and you start looking at my cabinets, you'll say, boy, preacher, them some nice, you got some nice cabinet handles. You must got some money. You must be big time. I don't have the money, but somebody else did. And thank God he worked all that out. So I could just, every time I, every time I open a drawer, I ought to thank God for his blessings in my life. In essence, when, when, when Jabez said, Lord, bless me indeed, he said, Lord, don't just give me the blessing, but give me understanding of how, how great you worked and how, how, how wonderful you are to bring such a thing into my life. Practical truth is here, if you're just thankful for, if you aren't just thankful for the blessing, but you're aware of the process by which the Lord brought it to you, you recognize the method, you recognize the people, you recognize the source, it's God Almighty bringing all those things together for your good and for his glory tonight. Yet we let so many blessings just surprise us. And no doubt they're wonderful blessings and we're grateful for them. But we never take the next step and say, well, how did the Lord do that? How did the Lord work those things out? 
Before I even knew that I needed, not only did he, he provide the need, but he did it in a wonderful way. And oftentimes we, we, we leave it at this. The Lord works in mysterious ways. No doubt he is God. His ways are above our ways. And he knows more than we do tonight. But can I say, you'd start searching those things out, who God used, how he did it. It just makes the blessing even better. And so when, when Jabez prayers, Lord, when you bless me, give me understanding and help me to realize just how great you're working in my life. See, a lot of times, a lot of times when we just settle for the blessing, we develop an attitude of entitlement. That this is owed to me. This is, this is, what, it, this, this, this is this what God desires in my life. How many of you ever had kids on Christmas morning? And I'll see some people's pictures and I think, man, that's crazy. They got more presents than they got Christmas tree. And presents everywhere. <laughs> and ask my kids, they ain't like that at our house. Not because, not because we don't love them. We just, we ain't going to do that. <laughs> but you'll see this kid, they'll open it up, they'll look at it, and they'll just toss it to the side. Open it up, look at it, just toss it to the side. Open it up, look at it, just, that's all you got for me? That's all you got for me? But if you were to sit them down and say, listen, this is the amount of hours that I worked. This is the effort that it took. This is all that I, I, I strive to get done and to do so that I could present this gift to you. I guarantee you they'd learn to appreciate it. And they would realize the great work that was into it. And so when Jabez says, Lord, bless me indeed, he said, Lord, I, I don't just want the blessing, but God, give me the understanding of how you brought that blessing to me. Let me ask you that. Would you rather just be blessed or blessed indeed? We see, number one, he prayed for a recognized blessing. And then number two, he prayed for a realized potential. He said, Lord, enlarge my coast. Lord, enlarge my coast. With the little we know about Jabez, we know he's in the elevated position. He's already more honorable than his brethren. He already has more recorded Bible about him than anybody else in his family. Everybody else got their name. Jabez got two verses. Jabez could have sat down and said, I'm better than everybody else. I got more than everybody else. Look what I've received. Look what I've got. They got their name. God gave me two whole verses in the chapter four of the book of First Chronicles. But no, he, in essence, when he's praying, Lord, enlarge my coast, he's not just saying, Lord, help me not to just settle for what is convenient, not just for settle for what I have, but Lord, I want everything you desire and have for my life. We often get a taste for success and we settle for that. I remember talking to a preacher one time and he made a statement he said, I, I've got enough people in my church. I've got enough. I can't handle no more, no more. I don't want any more. I just want to be comfortable with what I have. And now I understand that things aren't about numbers. I understand we're not, we're not in this so we can write in and, and show everybody all the numbers that we have. But can I say, now, I want everybody that God wants in this place. I don't want to step back and say, you know what? This is good enough. This is comfortable. I, I can just work for retirement. I, I, I can just coast out of this thing. No, I want to die on the battlefield. I want to die with glory in my soul, giving everything I have tonight. And here when Jabez prays and he says, Lord, in, 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 enlarge my coast, he's asking the Lord, don't let me get comfortable with what is convenient to me. Don't let me get comfortable with just being better, and not necessarily better, but more honorable than my brethren. Lord, I, I desire more than just being an influence on my family. Lord, I want to enlarge my coast, give me all that you have for me. He realized the possibility of more. Now, it's not some sort of business model, right? 
I don't think Jabez was cutthroat. I don't think that Jabez said, the Lord wants me to have more in order for me to have more. I've got to take you out. I've got to run you down. I've got to push you down. And, and, and you know, it's, it's cutthroat. You got to, it's survival of the fittest. No, Jabez was just simply praying, Lord, give me all that you have. And here's the thing. If you, you don't have to do dishonorable, if you're going to do the will of God, you might as well just count out dishonorable things, dishonest things, and things that go against the word of God because none of those are in the will of God. Right? You don't accomplish the will of God by evil means. You accomplish the will of God by trusting and serving the Lord and obeying his word. But here's the thing tonight. Jabez, when he was asking the Lord for an enlarged coast, he was already obedient in what God had already given him. How do you know that, preacher? He was more honorable than all his brethren. He was already doing what God had told him to do, what was instructed to him through the law to do. See, a lot of the times, we want the enlarged coast without little coast obedience. The Bible says, he that is faithful in little be made faithful over much. And we understand tonight that we all dream and have uh, aspirations and goals and things that we would like to do and, and like the Lord for, to do for us. But if we're not obedient where we are now, mark it down, those aren't going to happen. You can't, there's no sidestep to the, to the will of God. There's no, there's no shortcut to the will of God. TR is always asking for us to take a shortcut. Dad, can we take a shortcut? Can we take a, hey, we'll, we'll be driving from the house to the church. We've made that journey. I don't know how many times he said, Dad, take a shortcut. I'm thinking, son, there are no more shortcuts. But so many times in our Christian life, we want the enlarged coast, but without the little coast obedience. Preacher, how do you progress in the Christian life? How do you move up, so to speak, from one thing to the next? Obedience. Obedience. Obeying where you are now. Notice here tonight, your enlarged coast may be numerous things. It may be a, a greater ministry, no doubt. It may be a ministry that is bigger than what you do now. It may be a marriage that is better than that what you currently have, a family that is stronger than what you currently have, a daily walk that is deeper with the Lord than what you currently have, but you will not get to those places without obedience to the word of God and the will of God. Now, preacher, do you really think God can do those things? Of course, of course, but you and I will not, will not experience nor recognize it void of obedience tonight. And here's the thing, chapter number two of First Chronicles there's a scribal city or a city of scribes that is given the name Jabez. I was reading after one man and he said that when Jabez asked the Lord to enlarge his coast, it wasn't so that Jabez could have more. It wasn't so Jabez could possess more. What Jabez was praying, Lord, allow the testimony that you've given me in the testimony of your word, allow it through me to be enlarged or to go out into different places. And some historians believe that city Jabez, those scribes who copied in, uh, the, the word of God and, and, and sent those, that, that word of God out was gone through Jabez. And so we see here tonight that Jabez prayed for realized potential. How many tonight often stumble across success? I think I sent this out in the devotion a couple of days ago, how we give our best effort, we do everything within our power, and we're surprised at the outcome. Like, man, I, 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 mean, I planned for success. I, I, I had good intentions when I did this, but I didn't know they were going to be that good. I didn't know it was going to be that blessed and that wonderful. But here is Jabez saying, Lord, don't let me stumble across success, but rather lead me to it. Enlarge 
my coast. Let me ask you tonight, do you believe the Lord has more for you to do than what you're currently doing? And if so, are you willing to be obedient until he makes that clear to you? We said there was, he prayed for a realized potential. Then notice number three tonight, he prayed for restrained appreciation. Preach those two words, don't go together, I know, but give me a second. Restrained appreciation. Look at the rest of verse number 10. And thou, that thine hand might be with me, and thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. We see tonight that he had a restraint. He prayed, Lord, keep your hand on me. It's twofold tonight. He's asking the Lord to keep his hand on him, to guide him, and then to keep him from evil. He's asking the Lord, first of all, to guide him. Now, typically the hand of God in the Old Testament is a picture of judgment. It is God showing his great strength against sin, against a sinful nation. First Samuel chapter number five, the, the, the hand of the Lord comes against the Philistines while the Ark of the Covenant's there. And things, God begins to do things there amongst the Philistines to the point where they have enough of it. They say, come get this Ark out of, Philistine, out of Philistine. We don't want it here no more. And oftentimes that's the picture of the hand of God, him working against those nations. But notice here the hand of God also references deliverance. Go read Exodus Deuteronomy, when they talk about the leaving of Egypt, or Israel out of Egypt, it talks about leaving by the mighty hand of God. But also Jabez isn't just asking for those things, but he's asking the Lord to guide him with his hand. Well, preacher, how do you guide somebody with your hand? Well, think about it practically. How do you guide somebody with your hand? Little shallow, as cute as can be, she's learned that she has a finger right here. And now, because we're with her all the time, we can decipher her baby language. There she is. She said, Daddy, talking about me. She'll take that little finger and she'll point at things. I said, what is that? What is that? What is that? She'll point at the same thing six times. What is that? And I answer it every time. That's a window. That's a window. And, but here's, how do, how do you know? Because that's where she's pointing at. That's what she's guiding us to, to show the general location. The word of God points us in the right way tonight. It says the, 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 the general commandments of the Lord, of, of the word of God tonight, help me and you know how to live the Christian life. It points us in the right direction. You can guide somebody by pointing them to something. You can also guide them by placing your hand on, on something. In essence, they'll ask, what are you talking about? You say, I'm talking about this right here. This is what I'm talking about. Bring it right here. Place your hand on something by selection. The word of God tells us what is right and wrong. It lays its hand on what is right and says, here's what you're supposed to do. And it lays its hand on the wrong and says, here's what you're not supposed to do. It, it guides us by selection. It guides us by pointing. But there's also, you can guide somebody by grabbing them. Come here, Asher. By grabbing them, right? You grab them by your hand and you say, all right, follow me. Follow me. Wherever I go, you just follow me, right? And we'll go back this way. Wherever I go, Asher's bound to go because he's holding on, well, I'm holding on to him. He's not necessarily holding on to me, which is true about salvation, right? It's not about me and you holding on to God. It's God holding on to us. And yet when we recognize that and we allow him to grasp hands with us, he'll lead us in the way we're supposed to go. Galatians chapter, or excuse me, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. How many are glad that the peace of God rules in your heart? And when the peace of God rules in your heart, it guides you and directs you. You ever said, I don't have peace about that. I don't have peace about that. And here's the thing, when you don't have peace about something, you have a decision to make. Either wait on God or force your way. Right, I always command, I, I, I'd encourage you to wait on God. Because when you wait on God, things always work out. So we see here tonight that we can, he's asking the Lord to guide him with his hand. But they're also asking the Lord to guard him. And yes, notice this, look what he says at the end of verse number 10. And thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. 
Now, there's understanding there that he's, he don't want to get into evil because he knows the outcome of evil is a grievous outcome. It's never a good outcome. It's never anything that we would actually desire. But it, he said, not just not keep from evil, but don't let it grieve me in the sense that when you tell, when the Holy Spirit tells you no, you don't get upset about it. You don't say, but this is what I want to do. This is how I want to do it. You say, Lord, thank you for convicting me. Thank you for guiding me and keeping me away from those things. Lord, thank you for coming. Help me not to complain about it or become arrogant about it. Here's the thing. When you know what is right and you know how to do right and you're not doing it, it ought to bother you. It ought to bother you. I was playing golf with a man one time and I am by no means a good golfer, right? I hit the ball and hope that I can find it. <laughs> and I play Frisbee golf now and it's just about the same. I throw a Frisbee and where'd it land? <laughs> There's cool, nice Frisbees that are all black and brown and mine are pink and orange and yellow and bright red white so I don't lose them. and Find them in the woods. But I remember playing golf with this certain individual and they know how to play. Matter of fact, they almost played in college. They, they can hit the ball and know where it's supposed to go and, and know how it's supposed to be done and, and where it's supposed to stop and all that kind of stuff. And here's the thing, I was playing with them and I was hitting good shots. No idea how I was doing it. No matter, I was, I was on the green and I hit a putt at least 100 foot into the hole and they were getting aggravated. Why? They weren't playing good. They knew what they were supposed to be doing. And they just weren't doing it. And so they got mad and aggravated to the point where they started getting mad at me. I wish you hit a bad shot once in a while. I'm thinking I'm just having the best day of my life. <laughs> Let me enjoy it while I can. But here's the thing, when we complain about conviction, we sound so ungrateful for the truth that the Lord has taught us. We ought to step back and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for keeping me from evil. Because Lord, if it was up to me, I'd already made a mess of my life by now. Jabez said, Lord, guide me with your hand and keep me from evil. Don't let it grieve me. Let me ask you now, whose hands on the steering wheel in your life? Is it you or the Lord? Is it conviction, is conviction often followed up by complaining or thanks in your life? Oh, preacher, I, I gave the Lord the steering wheel. Well, what do you do when you think he makes the wrong turn? Can I say, follow him tonight. Follow him. Here's the great truth about Jabez's prayer. He's asked for a recognized blessing. He's asked for restrained appreciation. He's asked for a realized potential. Look at the end of verse number 10. And God granted him that which he requested. What's so wonderful about Jabez's prayer? Not only that God hears it, but God answers it. And God gives him those things that he's asked for. Why? They are in tune and in line with the will of God. God granted him that which he was requested. And here's the thing. If he would answer those things for Jabez, I guarantee you tonight he'll answer those for you. You come to him by faith, say, Lord, here's what I, Lord, here's what I desire out of my life. Lord, help me to do all that I can for you. God, help me to realize how good you are to me. And God, would you keep me out of trouble and help me to be happy about the fact you kept me out of trouble. Those are prayers that God will answer tonight. Let's bow our heads and pray this evening. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you.